Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brandsec. How are you all? Welcome to 2021. This is like really weird to say that, but uh, welcome. Happy New Year's, everyone. I hope that everyone has been doing well. And I actually decided to do something a little different. And so um, joining me today for the, well, for the first time for my um, regular content, I'm welcoming um, Carl, um, who will be joining me. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, and recording-wise, this is actually the very first podcast that I am recording um, in 2021. And so I'm just really glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested and really, really excited about what we have to discuss today and then down the line, for sure. Yeah, that is great. And so we just left 2020. It's It was probably one of the most interesting years of our lifetime um for i'm sure many of you who are listening um certainly for me yeah it was uh very uh, unique is, is how i'll put it yeah and so in today's podcast we're just sort of like recapping what really happened in uh, in 2020 and also with the covid19 pandemic that yeah that has yeah, occurred throughout it and still um you know and still is very much present in um you know today even entering 2021 um and then also towards end, we'll also mention some of our thoughts about you know going into 2021 are you ready um are you ready for this absolutely let's go all right this episode will resume in just one moment stay tuned All right, we're going to go ahead and go straight into the episode with this one. So, you know, 2020, I think what's interesting is that almost nothing was really conventional, like, at all about about the year. And so a lot of our general tech conferences and um, you know, information sessions that usually occur throughout the year really didn't happen. Um, a lot of them were replaced by individual... Um, virtual events that um, occurred, um, mm-hmm. such as like the Mobile World Conference in uh, that's usually held in Barcelona, Spain, and that was canceled in February, um, and several other different yeah events that normally normally occur. So you know, there's not there wasn't too many you know I guess like big news conferences. Everything was more so just yeah, it just sort of released, um, so to speak. Yeah, it, it was it, for for me. Um, be, being being a gamer is definitely is kind of frustrating, actually. Uh, just to to really really briefly touch on it, uh, there's usually when it comes to video game tech and new video games and new hardware and new just interesting things in in the video game world. There's usually I want to say three different things. There's the PAX East, PAX West, and then uh, not ComCon E3. And then you'll usually have like the game awards that happen in December. But usually those are your big announcement times, E3 being the biggest one. Uh, because it, it basically for an entire week, everybody's just focused on basically LA for, for that entire week when it comes to gaming news. And, you know, this year, I, I mean, I had heard stuff last year, uh, well, two years ago, 2019, about how E3 was kind of going down the hill when it comes to uh, their funding 
mm-hmm. but de- definitely having this this year really really threw it in a tussle and because they couldn't have indoor like physical events everything just kind of went online and granted they tried to put everything in one place but i know it definitely hurt some developers when it comes to like normally you have that one big week where you just stuff's getting thrown at you yeah, right yeah. now they're left to kind of scatter it and you, you can really uh, unless if you get a one of the big players uh, sony microsoft uh steam to really back your stuff up it's really really hard to get some sort of to get your game out there and yeah but it was definitely interesting when it comes to that everything was kind of scattered and news wise it was there it was kind of good kind of bad you know for, for six months there and still yeah, yeah. arguably to this day you know i i'll, I'll turn on that nightly news and all i hear is like yep COVID numbers still rising and like it's the same thing we've been hearing for six months i understand why uh part of it is because literally nothing's happening right because yeah, it, yeah. it's a little dry you can't really do much but yeah having everything move online was not not fun yeah definitely and like even like with some other stuff it's where you really don't know like what exactly is happening you almost just like read an article like a few days later it's like yeah well this was announced that was announced oh absolutely like i, I mean i would watch the the streams or whatever when they're showing stuff off but most of it was like okay i'm gonna tune in it, like when everything's done i'm gonna pull up ign and look up all the news or i'm gonna pull up another news site that that kind of that's focused on tech and it, it'll tell me about it right that's it, it kind of sucks granted that still kind of happened but there wasn't the same amount of hype that you normally would have with a physical event yeah i definitely agree and and so some stuff that you know that i do believe were somewhat memorable about you know tech this year which you know, normally when you think of, like, a recap of tech, usually, like, like I said, you're able to point to these events, but I feel like it was a lot harder this year to even think of what exactly happened, because a lot of stuff was either paused or moved until this year, mm-hmm. you know, or, and I think most of the stuff that happened was actually announced at the end of 2019, and it just sort of, like, came into fruition this year just because, you know, they had already announced it as such, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, one of so, the things. Oh, yeah, what were you gonna you, say? You can go. I have one here that I, I just thought about. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, it, it's 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 big in the in terms of drone hobbyists and then people who are who are doing it for a uh, for for employment, where it mm-hmm. comes to like just private FAA Part One Hundred Seven licenses. Um, the U.S. Department of Transportation and the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, have now determined that basically, I, I'm not exactly sure as to what the, I guess, specific weights are. I could find that, but it, they are now saying that you're going to need to have transponders on all your drones. And I, I want to say you're above half a kilogram in weight. So but basically wow. any drone that's not, not a toy drone. So that definitely... That and there were a couple other big things in the uh, the press release, but that was probably the biggest one for me because it granted it doesn't take effect until I want to say 2023, but it's still now in, in addition to having the part FAA 107 license and taking it, spending the money to take it, going to a place and taking it, hoping you, you get it right. That in addition with paying the, the fee to re- register your drone, now you also have to buy a transmitter and 
granted for uh what, what, what do you want to call it the for this new you're going to have to retrofit all the all the old ones right all the companies are having to kind of switch gears it's not hard to have a digital transmitter it, it, basically what it would do is it would connect your drone that you're flying around with huh. you in particular so that if it goes down you know the law enforcement can immediately point to somebody really easily uh just in case if anything wrong were to happen but uh the big drone manufacturers are going to have to change that and granted we'll probably see it in like six months when the new ones are announced you know it's not hard to put a new just a little transponder in there because you're already doing radio transmission already yeah, but yeah. uh w w another another really big thing is that i'm, I'm not sure exactly what day it was uh th this is all still 2020 news actually um but they decided that they were not going to allow i i it was a handful of big Chinese corporations, Ch Chinese-backed corporations, that they would not allow the exportation of uh, American studied and researched technologies to be used for those things. That even if they were just for, uh, what do you want to call it, hobbyists or drones. Uh, DJI, the, the biggest drone manufacturer in the world, actually was, they were one of the names on that list. But it it's, it's a big just movement so that America is not kind of giving technology to China. And I, I think that's, Hopefully it won't make that big of a difference for private drones, private drone enthusiasts and hobbyists. But when it comes to technology, I could I could see something really big happening there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, going into that, like companies such as Huawei that make um, that make smartphones, they now have to make their devices without Google services. And there is actually a, I guess, like debate almost of what people believe will happen in terms of that, because Huawei actually decided to start making their own digital services in place of that. And like their devices use Android. And while Android is not necessarily Google exclusive, they are managed by it and generally are included with, yeah, Android's usually included with Google services, mm -hmm. well, vice versa. Um, but with Huawei not having those Google services anymore, um, there is a lot of belief that they are going to switch operating systems entirely to Harmony OS, um, which they have recently developed, and will use Huawei services. It might give, essentially, Android a really big competitor in the future. So it should be interesting to see if that takes any fruition to, throughout the next few years, whether or not Harmony OS really has, you know, is really like an Android competitor, you know, in any regards, at least in terms of market share or you know or if that would just be something that yeah that really won't make a much of a difference yeah um j just just looking at some stuff here with google of course i'm not sure w what conglomerate owns google and who owns them you know it, it's who i'm sorry um the company that um owns google is um alphabet it was founded by the google um co-founders i believe in 2015. Oh. And it was essentially made because Google at the time owned um, several different non-tech companies, such as mm -hmm. at the time called Google X. Um, they are semi-secret research lab and also Google Fiber that has fiber optic cable and several other different non-technology um, companies. And so with the creation of Alphabet, Alphabet now owns Google um, X, Google Fiber, the self-driving car Waymo, um, self-driving car manufacturer Waymo, and several other different companies that are unrelated because two main reasons are one, because 
they didn't necessarily want Google's name on it per se. Like Google is not making self-driving cars. Waymo mm -hmm. is. And also for stock reasons, a lot of investors who invest in Google, it's like we invested in the tech stuff. We didn't invest in all these other secret projects. And so with it, when you invest in Alphabet, you invest in everything. Yeah, just just looking at now, uh, even then, I'm not sure stakeholder wise who exactly owns Google. That's a big thing. Alphabet still, uh, it, it's all based in the US. And yeah. granted, two, okay, I, I, we'll say three. Three of the biggest markets in the entire world when it comes to consumer products are going to be the United States, China, and arguably India, right? Yes. If China decides to do the same thing that they decided to do with Huawei, right? just block Google stuff, right? it probably won't happen, but I could see it being plausible. Uh, if that happens, then there's a chance that Google's just completely cut off from China, right? In, in which case, you're gonna get a really, really quick rise for somebody to step in and take up all of what Google used to be, which in that case would be Huawei and their new OS like you were talking about, which could really, really, really quickly, rapidly change the, the I guess, the scape the, yeah, the marketscape and how everything's going to work. It, it would change it rapidly. Definitely. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how that will really turn out in a few years. I mean, and especially since, to the best of my knowledge, it more so like applies to newer devices as opposed to existing devices. So it'll probably be a while before like the market shares like really flip over per se um, in terms of like their access to the Google services and. Mm -hmm. And like last year's devices, even though they're using Huawei services, they're still running Android. So, yeah. and so, yeah, we'll really have to see about that um, mm -hmm. and how that turns out. And so another big thing that um, happened in 2020, and, you know, it, whenever I think about 2020, I still think of this year because, you know, it has just <laughs> flipped over the years just a few days ago, but, oh, yeah. well, not even, um, but... But overall, um, the ARM architecture is making a slow rise within computers. For those of you who don't know, that is essentially um, making devices more similar to your phones in the sense that they are always on, always connected, use less battery life and stuff like that. But Apple, I believe at the end of 2019, actually announced a two-year transition of all Mac computers to switch over from more traditional hardware and computers to um, those based on your phone. And so what are your kind of thoughts about that? Yeah, uh, so I, we, we discussed this earlier a little bit. I, I'm I'm very, very big into privacy concerns. I, I personally, hmm. if I can help it, I will, I will never uh, have any sort of Google or Alexa device in my own home, granted. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking right here. My smartphone's probably listening to everything I'm saying, right? Probably. Uh, I, I, I'm really, really big into privacy, and I, this is it's a weird connection. Um, but you were talking about always on, and that 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 is definitely, I guess, a, a threat in my eyes. I, I don't know. That that's that's kind of a, a side side jut. Um, I think that personally, it, granted that Apple is either going to be used for people that are going to be using Apple tend to be either content creators for video music or uh, just people who want a really simple OS, right? Yeah. And for that, in that case, it, it kind of works, right? I mean, 
forever they've been the kings of those things. Uh, Apple's been the king for that. But I, I really, I don't think that when it comes to just the entire health of the the computer market, I guess. I don't think it would be a good good change. I'm I'm all on board with my phone conserving battery life and being as environmentally friendly as possible. Uh, but I think also at the same time, you know, if if I wanna if I wanna load up some really hardware or GPU intensive game on my computer, right? One, I'm not gonna do it on a Mac because no, that, that that's a joke. Uh, but I mean, it, I, I I think a PC. If you tried to move it to an ARM architecture, arguably you, you could you could do it, and I don't know what the ramifications would be, or if it would be, I guess, plausible. But I know if you're a big gamer, right, you're gonna have the big desktop PC that's sitting there, and the lights alone in the RGB lighting probably uses as much battery life, as much power as the computer running itself does, right? So. It, there's not really a reason in that case, um, but I, I think it would be interesting to see what would work. And I know you would discuss with me how Windows itself and Microsoft is kind of moving in that direction using ARM architecture in some of their computers, but it wouldn't be for like those big beefy uh, desktop PCs, right? It'd be for like a Microsoft Surface where it's meant to be portable. It's not meant to be really, really hard. To, yeah. it, it's meant to be really easy. Yeah, and if they do move, it wouldn't be like right now, like Apple was. It would be like a gradual one, like over time when it's actually sustainable. Because you know, using this architecture on on computers, it's still not like quite perfected yet. And so, I don't see Microsoft really pushing this as much as Apple is. I feel like, if anything, while I do believe it will, it'll probably happen at some point. I don't see it within the next like five ten years really well mm -hmm. maybe more so towards the 10 year side than the five year yeah i mean but we, we i mean we, apple to its credit is trying to be more environmentally friendly it, it, it kind of right you know we're not going to package uh what was that i think it, i think a charging cord or a charging brick in in the new iphones yeah and um some other manufacturers are doing that as well now yeah i, I think that's a personally i found that funny but that's another story. But yeah, I said, this is really a, um, you know, like almost like a change of you know, environment almost for tech. And I think one of the things I said in 2019 is that I had a strong belief that for 2020, that there was going to be a big push that somehow, you know, like made us go into like the next phase, so to speak, like, mm -hmm. you know, made us, I don't know, almost like changed the way that we approach technology. And I was actually correct in that regards. Now, I did not believe it was going to be in the terms of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, on March 13th, flipping us from, you know, a primarily like, you know, um, physical, you know, physical, virtual, you know, mesh of things to almost like a complete virtual life. Yeah, mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting anything like as drastic as that to happen, but... Yeah, I mean, when it comes to tech like that, right? I mean, we started out that we had big blocks computers, right? We had floppy disks that were eight inches across that yeah. held a couple you know, kilobytes worth of data, right? I mean, it, it, I might be wrong there, maybe a megabyte or something. It, it point is, we, we've moved from such big hardware. We've already made it so small, right? This, this kind of computer, this is literally something, like I'm sitting here on a laptop that is maybe it's it's, less than an inch thick, right? 
that is something that was the like 50 years ago was literally Star Trek, right? It, it was something we were like, whoa, that'd be cool. And yeah, it happened, yeah. right? It, it, we're, we're going from kind of just, wow, we can do this and we're going to make it smaller to we're going to make it smaller. We're going to make it faster. We're going to make it use less energy, which is really, really important. And I think it'd be really beneficial for our, our advancement, especially in terms of uh, space and exploring space, space exploration. But um, another another thing, I, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Uh, let me see here. April 9th, 2020, uh, somebody wrote an article, Emily Conover wrote an article, basically speak on sciencenews.org, speaking about how um, collisions reveal, this is the, the title of the article, collisions reveal new evidence of anion quasi-particles existence, which from, from my understanding with the article, it's basically an incredibly tiny particle that for the longest time was only just hypothesized to be real and with it basically being discovered at this point it could potentially change our landscape of technology as we know it with how how small we can get technology to be wow. and that itself would be incredible wow yeah there's there's definitely a lot of you know i said big things really going on and like even on the television realm, like with um, these new streaming services that are coming out and trying, at least attempting to make their mark. You know, we have now the likes of the Netflix, um, Hulu, Disney Plus, um, was it? Yeah, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Peacock, soon to be Paramount Plus um, in place of CBS All Access. You know, all of these different various streaming services um, and I know one of the things that you had said to me before we started recording is that this is really the death of physical media almost. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to get on my little soapbox here for, for a second. Uh, I, I personally am huge into uh, physical media because, it, I mean, part of it's because my family grew up and our, our internet was terrible. So like when I would get a game, right, it, it would always have to be on a disc. I couldn't just download it. I couldn't just stream a video. We'd have to go get a DVD from Redbox or when when Netflix used to be for DVDs and, and Blu-rays, right? We can call it, we can go on Netflix and order one. It'll be here in a couple weeks, right? Oh, you actually use that? Um, when it was- Oh um, yeah, dude, it's still it's still running. Yeah. Like it, my, my dad today still gets CDs in the mail, well, excuse me, DVDs in the mail. Wow. It, it's actually really cool. But um, it, I think it changed to like DVD.com or something. I'm not sure what the pricing is on it, but because of that, I'm I'm really really big into having physical media, and I think that I mean we we've we've literally seen it when when it comes to again, excuse me here I'm a big gamer. Um, we've seen it with which with digital storefronts in particular, there have been many cases of games literally just being straight. They're not they're not deleted, right? They're still on their servers in the back end, yeah. but the the access for a user to access it, it has just straight revoked, right? So we can see that with uh, a couple big ones. Oh, let me think here. There's one that was made, uh, something with Sony and the the PlayStation's the PlayStation Three. I don't know exactly what the name of the name of it is. I know somebody might know, um, but the whole thing about it was that it was on the store, and then basically there was a big disagreement between the creator who made it and all that, and then it just got pulled from the store. And to this day, it hasn't been it hasn't come back. It, it doesn't, there's no backwards compatibility to find it again. The PlayStations that have it on it are, are being sold for thousands of dollars, even though it's old hardware. Like, 
it's it's to the point where so few copies of it are there right that the just incredibly priced um but i mean we saw there we saw with a, a game called two human where there's a lot of drama there you can look it up it's actually it's actually pretty funny um but there were some licensing issues with the creators of the game and the engine they were using and basically they discovered it and it was terrible and they just straight removed the game from the marketplace for for a couple for many years and people that had it they, ha they have still yet to like revoke it and they won't because it actually did come back like a year ago i want to say but there still is that chance that the the big the head above right he can pull he can just yank access to that and that is really bad uh, i know again with having all online stuff now um i my internet still to this day is still really bad like I'm surprised I'm able to talk to you on this on this chat right now. Actually, uh, I, I'm wow. I'm barely able to watch a YouTube video in like uh, 144p. Wow, it's that bad. Uh, but point is, I, I can't stream. I granted, internet speed is going to just it, it's going to become the next big thing, and it's still technically it, it is still up and coming as being the next thing. Access to the internet, I've heard it as being called the new age of internet. But I think I think personally with with so many streaming services, right? Everybody's trying to get a piece of a pie. I personally think that the market's too saturated right now. It's really oversaturated. And uh, you know, unless if you have a big thick wallet or you want to go into debt real quick, uh, you're either going to fork over money or you're going to pirate it. And that that's actually really unfortunate. You know, I miss the days when it's like, we have Hulu, we have Netflix, you know, it's one of the two. Yeah. I do not like all this exclusivity stuff too. I'm at, like with, I, I was lucky uh, Verizon, our, our carrier, they gave away a free subscription to Disney plus and they're still doing it. Thank gosh. Yeah. That's how I have mine. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, that's, that's how my father and I were able to watch Mandalorian and it, it uh, no, you know, and th now with, with the, the biggest news in the past, I, I want to say maybe not year, but past six months has been that, Oh yeah, by the way, um, there are, I don't know exactly what company it is, but they're trying to literally just push every single one of their big releases for the next year, including big things like, uh, Wonder Woman 84, which came out, I want to say Christmas day, uh, that the new Dune film, um, and a couple other big ones, they're, they're literally just pushing it directly to streaming services the, the, the same day it's supposed to come out in theaters. Right. And that's cool. It's awesome for us. Right, we get to yeah. watch it opening opening day at home, but there's still going to be the stakeholders of the people that are in the film, and you know they they get cuts of money from the revenue that's that's gotten from the movie theaters, and you can't do that. So right now we're in the middle of a lawsuit actually with the uh, people for Dune who are suing to not have it go on streaming services. Wow, yeah, there's definitely a lot of changes like in terms of that, and and to answer your question, the um, the owners of HBO Max, um, the service is HBO Max, and um, the owners of it are Warner Media, which itself is owned by um, AT and T yep. Inc. That's it. But but yeah, definitely like television and television movies and even games. I mean, the, those drastic changes really. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I know it's a, a lot, but yeah, to see how that really goes forward. And like you said, it. Yeah, with the actors, actresses that are involved um, in the crew. I mean, 
And one of the things I had personally wondered is, like, because the box office, you know, usually determines, like, you know, how much, you know, is really being made. But, but with, you know, using streaming services, you're not going to get as much money for a lot of these movies that had already been made. And mm-hmm. so I wonder, like, for some of these big franchises that, you know, for the most part rely on this revenue, if this will affect, like, the budgets they use for, for future movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to this day, we still have huge blockbuster movies. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but the MPAA, the, the big film guys, they just stopped releasing how much money it costed for each movie to be produced a, a few years ago. And, you know, we're not able to see how much it is because it, it, it had been just increasing so much. Uh, I, I think that it's probably... I, I, I can't see the cost going down, honestly. I, like... I, I can see it still going up more and more. I think we're going to reach a plateau at some point, though. Yeah. Where the spending on a movie is, is just, there's not really reason to spend more than that because it's so outrageous, right? Yeah. But one of the last things I want to touch on before we go into our thoughts for 20, um, for, I was going to mention the name of the year, but this year um, <laughs> is that we've had a lot of stuff move virtual, such as learning, working, and, um, you know, interactions. I mean, even this is recorded over essentially a video conference application. So, I mean, you know, we're, you know, it's like we've had that drastic change. And so do you think that like this stuff is going to stick around afterwards? Yeah, well, I mean, like after we begin to leave the pandemic phase, like, do you think that there'll be more rise to like virtual learning and like working from home and more flexible schedules? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I, I think that we're probably going to move away from having, I mean, having already kind of gotten used to this, I think we're still going to have it in some capacity, yeah. even if it's if it's not fully there. Uh, I think, though, that it's really opened eyes for a lot of people that like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't have to go into work and sit in, a, sit in an office cubicle all day, right? I can yeah. sit at home and do the same amount of work, more or less on my, same, on my own schedule, right? Yeah. I, I think... I think to an extent it'll stay um, for some some places, but it, I know for for schools, no, it's not going to stay this way for schools. And I know colleges themselves, they they uh, that no offense to them, I understand capitalism's fun. Um, uh, I know that, and then just just public schools in general, right? You cannot have that. It, like I personally have seen that it, it just it just doesn't work. It, it's terrible. I like I know they're trying their hardest. But no, like I, I for for older older schools older uh, older ages, I can understand perfectly fine. Like it kind of works, right? I mean, what, what you and I are both doing college online this, this semester. It, it's not yeah. the same by any by any means. But like later high school years, it makes a little more sense. But for like elementary middle school, nah, man, no. You have to teach them the uh, to to do their work, right? And humans by nature don't really want to do something they don't like, and it's really hard to have that same discipline at home as opposed to being in school where, you know, you have a teacher kind of looking at you and it's not really, you can't do anything but the work. Um, I I believe it's going to stay in some capacity. I think that they're going to, as soon as this is over, public schools are going to go back to physical, the physical, physical school because you can't. Like one, it'll be terrible for the taxpaying like families because they have to either stay, if their work doesn't stay home, they have to buy a babysitter and then boom, more money in their pocket like that. Or 
you know, if you, you can't both be working and teaching your child at the same time. And that's people have really had to struggle with that during these times. And that, uh, no. And what's interesting is that, you know, I definitely agree with how, you know, especially like with those struggles of, you know, between working and, you know, and helping the children out. It's like, you know, it's hard to do both really at once. And so, and also like with the discipline and everything, but I actually disagree um, with, um, with part that, you know, that most of this will tend to, um, at least for the education side, mm-hmm. it will really disappear afterwards. Um, and I know every school person in, you know, college is differently, but, mm-hmm. but like for me, this has actually been one of, I think, one of my most productive um, semesters yet, um, even though being virtual, you know, I mean, it's like being able to do the classes, it's like we're able to be a lot more hands-on almost, like in terms of our education and be as involved as we want to be um, and not necessarily be confined to the classroom. But I will admit that it requires a lot of discipline from the students. And so I don't see it being like where everyone is truly able to, to learn in that environment because you really need to have that sort of mindset for it. Absolutely. Like for me, I am very much a, I guess like involved learner. And so I like, and so I didn't really have high expectations fully going into like the initial virtual learning in March, but this semester in particular really changed my mind about, yeah, about virtual learning. And it really, I think is about the discipline. I actually know quite a bit of people who said that they actually enjoy the virtual learning more than physical learning just because that they're able to go straight into the education learn on their own and be done at that their own haste but you know it, it depends on the person um and the education yeah and the education levels that are provided by whatever institution be a you know public school or college or what have you Well, before we go ahead and end out today's podcast, I'm going to have both of us share like like our predict our main big prediction for um, this year, 2021, in terms of you know, what can happen or like with technology. And so my big one, which I think I've actually said this before, like I believe that interaction will play a big role going forward. Um, with this year um, from both like physical and in person and one of the reasons I say this is because with different stuff from from streaming networks to social media to um, to virtual learning you have a lot more I guess one-on-one with others and yeah a lot of stuff is really now becoming dependent on the user as opposed to standard for everyone and so I feel like a lot of interactivity and choice will be a big part going forward like if you like if you'd prefer to be um i guess like virtual versus like hybrid you you have that you'll begin like having an option like and you know still being able to i guess have more control over how you spend your you know spend your time and your um in your life and like i feel like that will play a big role going forward especially because of the certain circumstances we're in yeah i i i agree fully i think i think streaming services and just I guess the pay to play, pay to play, pay to access. I think that's going to become a lot bigger thing, which personally don't like. But I think it's going to become a really, really big thing this next year. And I, I think we'll probably see 
the death of some too, right? We're going to see those that didn't didn't get that much of a following early on or don't make enough revenue or aren't sustainable. I think I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see um, hopefully not as many, but I think we're going to see some sort of um, shifting of hands of, of corporations. I mean, we're already seeing now MGM is, is trying to find somebody to buy them and all of their rights, well, to their studio as well as every single one of the films they've ever produced, which is a big number uh, that they haven't really been able to catch on to the streaming service bandwagon yet. Uh, but then at the same time, I think we're going to see the return of, uh, I guess, in-person things, hopefully. Uh, hopefully. We're see, we all hope. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to see the, the returning of uh, people being physically somewhere. That'll probably be the second half of the year. But yeah, I, I think we're going to see that. And I think it's going to be, everybody's going to be really cautious. Um, we're all going to be a little scared to do it the first time um, in, in a year. So, yeah. Yeah, these are definitely great predictions. It has been great talking to you for our you know, somewhat extended episode. Like, like I said, and I'm really looking forward to um, speaking to you um, throughout this year. Oh, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. And until next time, thank you all so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. And I'll catch you all later. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Stay safe. Stay well. Um, enjoy your day.